Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. We magnify your name. We magnify your name. Hallelujah. Mengista kejo bote sekita braba kedeso magite daha ndele kejte brebe kishte be kejte beyata kasekere yo selaviti anshono doste kira brahate se oh hallelujah 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 thank you father thank you father thank you father hallelujah hallelujah For it's when you recognize the power that's in praise. It's when you recognize the power that is in giving thanks unto the Holy One. When when you recognize the power that there is in turning your eyes and turning your heart toward heaven and looking inward to the things that are on the inside of you, when you do that, Oh, I'm able to move on your behalf. I'm able to give you what you need. I'm able to give the answers that you're seeking. I'm able to move you from one place to another. I'm able to take you from glory to glory. I'm able to increase you spiritually. I'm able to do all those things that are in your heart that you've longed for. I'm able to do that. When you just recognize and seek, you'll find. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, as natural people, sometimes we are, we so easily lose our hold on what's so important. You know, and um, it just it just pays to just... Just stop and take a minute and just refocus, you know, and see what's really valid, what's really of value, what is what will put you over, what will put you over, to always be ready to see it. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. I'm going to preach to myself tonight, if that's okay with you. You know, the last few weeks, you know, we've just experienced some wonderful services. And God has, and the Holy Spirit have had many wonderful things to say to us. Things that have stirred us up. Things that have challenged us. Things that are um, put out there in front of us to make a decision on whether we'll lay hold of it or not. And, um, you know, we've, you know, we've experienced some things and... You know, Brother Doug, last week, I mean, I'd love to hear him preach that again. If you want to, I'll let you. <laughs> you know, it was, it was wonderful. You know, but God's getting us ready, and that's what he's been saying for so long. He's getting us ready for more. I was listening to somebody this morning while I was ironing all these, this stuff that needed to be ironed that had been hanging in my laundry room for a, a little bit. I'm going, I can't keep looking at that. i, I got to deal, deal with this. So I turned something on while I was doing that ironing, and, and he said, this, this man I was listening to, he said that God had been speaking to him about great and greater. 
that what you've seen, what you've experienced has been great, but he's got greater things in store for us. And that this coming year is going to be a year of greater, greater revelation, greater impartation, greater participation, greater on every level. And he's getting us ready for it. And, and he's been speaking to us. And we've, we've found ourselves in places of just sweet worship a couple of Sunday nights ago. Just in that, those places where you just, you just don't want to leave. I mean, it's so sweet. It's so awesome. It's so wonderful. It's so, it's so revitalizing. You know, and, and, and it's just so interesting that God can move in such ways that are so different you know, and, and, and just bless your socks off. And then there's Sunday night a, a week ago, you know, then we had that wild and woolly service where it was just, I mean, praise and joy was just coming out of everywhere. And, man, you feel like you could go out and just, I mean, I'm Superman, you know, kind of a thing. I can do anything. God's getting us ready for the more. There's more. You know, the Bible talks about how much more. We have no clue how much more he's got in store for us. We just don't understand how much more there is and how much more he's ready to give us. I remember being in so many of Dad Hagen's meetings, and it was, you know, it was frustrating at times because you'd, you'd be in a, a set of meetings sometimes that were lasting two weeks, and, and then toward the end of these meetings, you know, Dad, would, he'd say, he'd make a statement that sounded like something like this. He said, well... There's more, but you're not ready for it. And I'm going, what? What? What are, you, what are you talking about? I've been here in every one of these services for two weeks. What do you mean we're not ready for it? But just on a whole, he was saying, y'all aren't ready for it. Well, God's trying to tell you what to do to get ready. He wants us to get ready. He wants us to be ready, you know, for what he's got for us. 2023 is going to be an incredible year. Incredible. It's going to be an incredible year. God's got some major things in store for you. He's got some major things in store for you as an individual. He's got some major things in store for us as a body. He's got some major things in store for the church at large. And and it's time for us to just take the bull by the horns, so to speak, and pay attention to the things he's been talking to us about. And the things he's been showing you in your private time. And put them into practice. But tonight, there's another part of getting ready that we're going to talk about. And I have to, like I say, I have to preach this to myself. Because I am very guilty of what I'm about to talk to you about. And uh, see, I don't, I don't mind telling you where I fall down on the job. You know, where I'm, I'm struggling in some, in some areas, where I have missed the mark, where I need to do better. Because I know if it applies to me, it applies to you. Because you know different than me. If I'm, if I'm having an issue with it, I bet you you are too. And so tonight we're going to talk about distraction. Mm-mm-mm. What does the word distract mean? It means... To divert, as in the mind or the attention. A distraction, the noun there, is that which amuses 
entertains or diverts. And the purpose of distraction is to take your eyes, your attention, your focus, your energy, your resources from that which is most profitable for you. And in the context of what I'm talking about tonight, it's what's profitable for you and for the plan that God has for you and your life. And, you know, we, we, you go through the Bible, and, and especially in the Old Testament, you see so many of the people in the Old Testament who struggled at different times because they got distracted by something. And it cost them. And you don't look at distraction as something that is always just minor because it's not always minor. It might be a small distraction that in and of itself looks minor but has a major role to play in what the enemy is trying to keep you out of. You know, you you look over at Lot, you know, in the Old Testament. Lot was a man of faith. He's listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith there. And yet, he found himself living in a city where he was distracted by the things of that city. He came into Sodom and Gomorrah, and he turned out to be a man that, that um, was looked up to and respected and had a, had a voice let's say. Maybe I'm not sure how much respected he was, but he had a voice in the city. And he let, he let that life pull him away from what he had known. The things he had known when he was joined with Abraham, the things he had experienced, the blessings that God had bestowed on him were all in the background as he began to enjoy the pleasures of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read the rest of the story, it was a huge price he paid. He lost everything. He lost his home. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. It it wasn't a good situation. Then over in Judges, we look at Gideon. Gideon was called by God to do something. And Gideon thought he had to have all these men And yet God showed him the power of distraction. He showed him that you don't need 10,000 because most of them are distracted by something. He went down from 32,000 to 300. But he wound up with 300 people who were not going to be distracted by anything except the, the plan that God had laid out for them to do. And they accomplished it. You know, I I think, you know, Gideon's a very good example of of what it takes to recognize what's not working, what's not going to work, and get rid of it. To put it aside. You think, well, I haven't got enough. Well, 300 men were enough to accomplish what he needed to accomplish, which was a huge battle that they needed to fight. God was right there with them. They'd gotten rid of all the other people who were distracted and would have been a distraction and would have caused them to fail in what God had sent them to do. Then you go over to, oh, Samson. Samson, oh, God's man of the hour. God had his hand on him from before he was born. 
He had, he had given him to parents who would take instruction as to how to raise this young man and, what he, and how to, to keep him pure and how to keep him in a place where God could use him mightily. And Samson did all those things. His parents did their job. Samson did his job until one day he got distracted by something with pretty eyes and gorgeous hair and a great smile. And because of it, we don't even have to go through all the, the, the account, but he got so distracted by a woman that he lost the strength that God had given him, the supernatural strength that God had put in him to accomplish something was gone. Fortunately, he got it back. He, he finally realized what was going on, and he got it back, but not without a big price. And that's what distraction will do. It will make you compromise in areas that it may seem small again, like I said before, may seem like a small price you pay for being distracted. I mean, let's face it, distracted drivers just in our own world get into a lot of accidents. Sometimes it's a minor fender bender, and sometimes it's a major accident. You know, there was, um, I don't know, it wasn't that long ago, to a, a group of senior citizens were coming back from a day outing. And they were on a road, and a young man who was distracted by his phone crossed over the line, hit that bus with those seniors on there, and many of them were killed. A simple thing. Just looking down at your phone. You know, we, we find out if you talk to the insurance people that distracted driving causes a lot of accidents. Listen, in life, distraction will cause a lot of things. And they're, they're not really accidents that can be avoided. You know, accidents are something that, you know, just happen, you know. But a lot of times there's a cause. There's a reason. There's something that could have been done to have avoided those things. You know, you go on in the Old Testament, you see David. You know, one thing, I, th- I was thinking about David, you know, and I, and I was thinking to myself, David was a man called to war. That's what his job was, was to put down all the other tribes and all the other nations around him to secure the people of God, to secure the nation. That was his calling. He was called to do that. He established Israel. He established the land. He put all the other, the other inhabitants of the land where they needed to be. He subdued them. He, he loved God with all of his heart. We, we know him as a man who's been after God's heart. We know him as someone who loved God. He wanted everything God had for him. He was not embarrassed by his by his demeanor when he danced before the Lord with all of his might. He just went for it. He was uninhibited by anything and anybody when it came to the things of God. And he wanted to build God's house. And God said, no, you're a man of war. You're, you're doing what I've called you to do. You can't do that. But, I, but I'll leave that job to your son. And so David, in the meantime, amassed all this wealth so that his son could build the temple the way it should be. But one day, and I can only, I'm, I'm putting my own thoughts on this thing. One day, David just seems like, it seems to me as though he just kind of got bored with life. 
you know, I've, I've done all these things. I've fought all these battles. I always win. Let me just send my guys on out to, to do this next battle, you know, and I'll just stay right here. He was just a little hmm, ho-hum about life, ho-hum about, about the plan that God had for his life, about his purpose and his assignment. You know, we're like that too. There are times when we just kind of get a little bored, just a little bored. It doesn't seem like anything's all that exciting anymore because, hey, you know, everything's going great. Well, you know, what's the big deal? You know, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Okay, what can I do? That's where David was. Unfortunately, when David stayed home from the battle, which he should have been at, he's just wandering around, and he spied some woman on a rooftop. And, oh, what do you know? Suddenly, the enemy has got David's attention. And one thing led to another. Before long, David's an adulterer. Then he's a murderer. Then he loses a child. When Nathan the prophet comes to him, not a good thing. All because he got distracted by what he considered bored. Now, it doesn't say that, but why else would you stay home? Why would you not have gone with your men? Why would you not have, have gone out to do exactly the thing God had called you to do? Because it was, you know, okay, another battle, big deal. We'll win. I just let the guys take care of it. Listen, we can't ever get to the place where we're just bored with the sameness of our life. It's good to be same. Do you, have you ever been around people who are up and down all the time? That is not a fun roller coaster to be on. You know, it, it may seem a little boring to just be steady and steadfast, but let me tell you, that's where the victory's at. Steady and steadfast. When all the rest of the world around you is going up and down, up and down, up and down, up, to be steady, to just be steady. You know, I remember, I remember talking to somebody one time about, about uh, the possibility of, of maybe dating this particular person. And, and um, they didn't seem to be all that thrilled because they didn't seem to be a really exciting person. But they, they, they're, they're, what they said was, well, he's steady. I'm thinking, my Lord, that's who you want to spend the rest of your life with is somebody who's steady. I mean, my goodness, that's what you want. For goodness sake. I mean, that'd be something I'd be looking for if I didn't already have somebody good and steady. I went steady with Eddie. You know. But that's what you're looking for is, is somebody to keep you steady in life. You want somebody who's steady. Not somebody you have to pull back from the brink of disaster all the time. Hallelujah. You know, and then you go back through the Old, you know, the Old Testament and Solomon, a man of great wisdom. How did he fall into the stuff he fell into? Where was the wisdom God had given him? Got distracted. One woman wasn't enough. Two wasn't enough. Three wasn't enough. I mean, he kept going until he got, what was it? Was it 900? I'm going, what were you thinking, man? <laughs> I mean, seriously, what were you thinking? And, he, and because of it, all these different women that he brought into his life brought in their gods and their, their ways of worshiping other, other idols and stuff and, and caused havoc, you know, in the kingdom of God. Distraction. 
can be majorly ruinous to anybody. But in every situation, you see that distraction brought compromise. And yet, I go over to the New Testament. You know, and in Luke, go with me to Luke chapter 14. Hallelujah. Luke 14. Hallelujah. Starting in verse 16, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. Why? Because they were distracted. One says, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go, go see it. Would you buy something without seeing it first? Oh, some, there's some people who'd like to talk to you. Uh, another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Again, why would you do that? Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Well, I know it was on his mind. He's married a wife. He's going to go enjoy that wife. If you look over back at Matthew uh, 22, verse 5, here's the companion verse for that. You've got the, you've got the, uh, the invitation that was sent forth. But in verse 5, it says, but they made light of it and went their ways. They made light of it. Let me ask you this. How many invitations given by somebody of that great an importance can you afford to make light of? They all missed out on something that they should have enjoyed. When we get distracted and we don't respond to the invitation of the Holy Spirit, when we don't respond to the invitation of our Father, when we don't respond to no matter what that invitation is, is is it to be in church? Is it to come aside, you know, this morning and spend some time with me? Is it to go and, and spend some time with another brother or sister that, that needs encouraging? What, what is the invitation? We should never make light of the invitations that God extends to us on a regular basis because we're distracted by something else. We've got something we need to go check on. We need to got something we need to go do. Oh, I got somebody I need to go see. No, what is it God is asking you to do? What is he inviting you to do? See, God never makes you do anything. He gives you opportunities. He invites you to join with him, to partner with him, and to get this particular task accomplished. Do we make light of it? Is it because we don't recognize something? Or is it because we're too busy? Is it because it's just not that important to us? What is it? In Isaiah 50, verse 7, is talking about Jesus. It said, he set his face like flint. Jesus had an assignment And when everything tried to pull him away, when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, he refused to be distracted by the enemy. When he found himself among people, you know, who were pulling at him all the time, he refused to be distracted from his next assignment, from where he needed to go. There were times he would stop. 
and he would deal with something, just like the woman with the issue of blood. He was headed to Jairus' house. He was, that's where, that's where he was going. And yet there was, you know, not all distractions are necessarily bad, but he stopped long enough to deal with this one and then went on his way. See, that distraction enhanced his ability to carry out what God was going to do at Jairus' house. You have to be able to recognize these kind of things when what seems like a distraction really is an opportunity. But you have to understand that there are times when opportunities come that are distractions. Which is it? We have to be wise enough to know the difference. You know, there was uh, in the book of Mark, Mark 4, verses 14 through 20, the parable of the sower, it talks about all the cares of this life. Go over there just real quick. Mark 4. Verses 14 through 20. You know, people can be so distracted when they're hearing the word. You know, just because you come to church doesn't mean your attention is where it ought to be. You know, here, these people, this is, about, this is the sower sows the word, and these are they, that, that, by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they've heard, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. Then they are likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. You know, we can be distracted from so many things. And our distraction causes the ground that the word is sown into to either be fertile or to be poisoned. You know, our, ba- our backfield right now is, is just the funniest thing. We, we deal with sand spurs a lot where we live. I guess most of us do in the state of Florida. And we have sprayed that stuff. We have plowed that field. We have sprayed it and plowed it and sprayed it and plowed it and all this kind of- We finally had somebody come with a new chemical to spray that backfield. And... They used such a high concentration of spray that it killed everything, not just the sand spurs. And you know, now finally something is growing again. But, you know, we poisoned that land, that two or three acres. We poisoned that with something. You know, too many people are poisoning the land that God wants to, to till, and he wants to have, have it bear fruit. We're, we poisoned it by things like this. And, but we, we can decide what kind of ground we are. We can decide what kind of fruit is going to come out of that ground. Hopefully it's not more sand spurs. <laughs> Hallelujah. But there, there are so many things in life that distract. And, and sometimes I think, you know, we, we're, we're conscious of, of what they are there, there are needs that come up in our lives. There are situations that come up in our lives. But because, because our focus isn't where it ought to be, um, those things take on a life of their own, and they pull us away from the very things God wants us to, to be doing 
and to be seeing and to be enjoying. There are financial things that come up. You know, and we can get so consumed with what's wrong with our finances that that's all we can think about. Health issues can come. You ever been around somebody that had a health issue? That's all they could talk about. Every time you talk to self, that's all they could talk about. I was, I, I tended to be a little guilty of that back when I had cancer. I mean, I was always talking about, and I'm just going. One day I went, "Why don't you just shut up? You know, just shut up." I, 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 re, I remember at one time saying, you know, to, to to somebody, "I don't have time for this." I should have kept that, that, that thought from, from their own, you know. But listen, you should have the, have the idea that all this craziness, I don't have time for this. Let's just move on. There, of course, then there, there are things like relationships. We can meddle a lot. I'm not going to, I promise you. Relationships become distractions. People who are serving God and loving God and do and moving forward and suddenly get into a relationship and now the things that they were doing for the for the kingdom of God, they're all on hold because now I'm too interested in this in this other person that's in my life. Listen, if God brought them into your life, He didn't intend for them to be a distraction. He intended for them to be an addition. An addition. Not for you to take away what you're doing for the kingdom of God, but add to what you're doing to the king, for the kingdom of God. Join you in what you're doing for the kingdom of God, not take you out of it. Too often, too often, people, and I'm not talking about young people, I'm talking about people of every age, suddenly they find somebody that they're interested in and all the time that they had for the things of God, they don't have time for anymore. Listen, if that's the case, then I doubt seriously God brought that person into your life. But the enemy has, has done really well over the years at sending in people to pull somebody out that God had big plans for. They allowed themselves to get distracted, and once distracted, then that pull got bigger and bigger and bigger and greater and greater and greater until we didn't see him anymore. When the, the enemy is always looking to bring in a counterfeit before the real thing shows up. I'll stop meddling right there. How about jobs? Well, if I do this, then I'll, then I'll get a promotion. Well, if I spend more time doing this, I'll get a promotion. How about God letting God do the promoting? How about you just be a good employee and you get your work done and you excel on the job and you go the extra mile on your job and then let God promote you without you having to give it so much more attention than it deserves? Oh, but I need to, I need, I need, I'm not going to be there tonight. I've got this project at work that I've got to finish. Well, how about you finish it after church? Give God his time. You sow into, into the things of God and let God sow back into you. How many times have I seen my kids come to church over the years when they had a massive amount of homework? And then they'd go back home after church was over and they'd get, get back to it. And they might be up late. But God would always reward them with, with excelling in that and getting it done better and quicker and sooner than they thought they would. And they wouldn't have been in at it any longer. 
I mean, these are, these are issues you know, we have to look at. Children can be a d- distraction. Oh, Lord, yes, they can be a distraction. <laughs> depending, depending on how old or how young, you know, they can be a real distraction. You know, and of course, you know, I, I'm, I'm telling you this because sometimes, you know, the things that come in our life are not of our choice. But when they're not of our choice, you have to stop and take a realistic look at them and say, what can I do to keep this from pulling me out of what, where God wants me to be? Keep, keep it from affecting my relationship with my father. Keep it from affecting my fellowship with my father. How can I, how can I deal with this? Listen, there are times when you just have to put your foot down and say, I'm not thinking about it anymore. When you come into church, we can be distracted in the middle of a service. There are many times I just have to tell myself, stop thinking about that. Stop it. Just stop it. You know, my mind's wandering somewhere else. You know, I have had some major distractions the last couple of years, you know, with with other family members. Not my immediate family, but other family members. And all the things that were left on my shoulders, pressure from all kinds of places. And I have really let it distract me in a lot of ways. And um, I'm just to the place where I'm just real tired of that. I'm just real tired of being distracted all the time by somebody else's nonsense. You know what? PG was in my office just, just the other day. He said, Mom, you got to let it go. You just got to let it go. And I'm going, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, it, and, and you know what the whole thing is? It keeps me from doing what I need to do. And then it, and then it puts me under guilt that I didn't do what I needed to do. And it puts me under more pressure to try to catch up with what I should have been doing. You know, and that's what distraction's all about. It's to keep you in a place where you're just tied in knots all the time. That you just can't seem to find a way out of this paper bag. You know, it just, it just is terrible. But, you know, there are just times when you just have to go no to some things. And there are times you have to, pri- if something is, is going to be an extended kind of an issue, you're going to have to prioritize the kind of time you're going to put in it. And expect God's grace and God's wisdom to come on the scene and help you navigate through this thing until you can see it through. Because sometimes we do fall into places that are, that are not of our choice. My mama dying all of a sudden was not of my choice. Then I'm suddenly, I have to deal with all this stuff, you know, in Jacksonville, you know, and having to run over there constantly to deal with all this. But, you know, God's grace was there. And, and still, I still felt like I was, I was letting, I was letting my, my home, my husband, my family, my church family, my job, I was letting it all down to have to take care of this. But it was an immediate thing I had to do in God's grace. Thank God was there. It was there to help me through all of that, that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, I, it just occurred to me not too long ago, I heard somebody say something that just kind of triggered this, is that offense can be a distraction. It's a distraction. Somebody says something wrong to you, and suddenly you grab a hold of that thing, and you start meditating on it, you start pondering on it, you start working that thing in your mind. And what's that doing? Distracting you. It's distracting you. It's distracting you away from the fact that that's really not any big deal. Have, just stop sometimes and ask yourself when things are, things are on you, when things are pressured and, you, and, you're, and you're being pulled, ask yourself, is this worth it? 
Is this really important? Is this really going to change my life if I give my attention to this thing? Is it really going to make any difference? Or am I going to be worse off when this is, when this is over? Am I going to be better or am I going to be worse? You've you, you got you to look at it that way. You know, Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And then on Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that really probably is the key. You know, if we make sure we keep our focus where it belongs and we seek first the kingdom of God first, to always seek it first, there will be fewer and fewer things that are able to distract us. You know, it's, it's a, sometimes it's a matter of keeping your eyes on the right thing. You know, it says over in Hebrews, I think it is, that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he kept his eyes on the prize. He kept his eyes on the goal. Has God given you some dreams? Has God given you some plans? Has God given you something that, that you want to attain to? Keep your eyes on the prize. And don't let things pull you away from that. Just let God do his thing. You know, I, I, I look at Paul and Silas in, in the book of Acts. Um, Paul and, and Acts, he and Silas in Acts 26. I mean, we, we know how they, they praise God in the prison. And the prison door shook, the earthquake came, all the doors were opened, you know, the jailer got born again, you know, his family and all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine in the state they were in how hard it might have been to not be distracted by the pain they were suffering because of all the stripes they had endured on their back, by the not-so-nice surroundings they found that it was not the plaza, you know, it was a dungeon, it was not nice. It was not lit. It was not sweet-smelling. It probably had vermin crawling all over them. They were in chains. To, th- to, to understand how incredible it was that they were not distracted by all that, the reason they weren't was because they kept their eyes where it needed to be. They kept their focus where it needed to be. Those were not distractions of their choice. But they chose not to let them be distractions. In spite of everything, they chose to praise God. And in the praising of the Lord, everything else disappeared. All those things that were distractions. You know, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if when those prison doors flew open from the earthquake, that at the same time, their backs weren't healed. It wouldn't surprise me a bit. God doesn't do halfway jobs. He frees you up with a body that's, that's burning from the pain of stripes. I doubt it. I bet you when, when the doors flew open, the pain was gone and the wounds were healed. I'm going to get to heaven we'll ask him. We'll, we'll see. Did you, you walk out of there, you weren't thinking about your back because your back was healed, right? And he'll say, you, you know it. Absolutely. And then in, in Acts 21, Paul was told, he was warned about things that would happen to him if he went somewhere. And he just, he would not be distracted. He knew what God had said to him, and he went for it. In spite of everything that he, that he knew somebody was accurate in, didn't matter to him. He was not going to be distracted from the assignment that God had given him. Listen, distraction can come when you least expect it. 
It can come from sources that you never considered. But it's specifically designed to take you off guard and by surprise. We have to stay on the lookout and recognize distraction for what it is when it comes our way. We need to head it off and deal with it as quickly as possible. Or else put, it, put a plan into motion to deal with it. You know, God, I said before, God's wisdom can help you devise a plan. When something comes of a major thing that is going to take some time, he can help you devise a plan to deal with it in a way that's not going to cause an upset to your life and to your relationship with him. So many times distractions have led people to a backslidden state. So many times. You know, we, we know a, a, a man who's currently pastoring a wonderful church. Oh, goodness, I didn't know what time it was. Who's pastoring a wonderful church right now. But his first wife got, got involved in bodybuilding and was so distracted by it that she lost her love for the Lord altogether and left him because she didn't want to serve God. You know, those, those seem like really extreme cases, but do you know what? When people allow themselves to be distracted, they fall into those extreme cares, cases without even realizing what they're doing. And I just want to tell you that if we keep our focus where it needs to be, keep our eyes on Jesus, make first things first, and recognize when distraction is, is in our life, it's in our way, it's, 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 it's just it's dogging us, deal with it. God can't take us where we need to go. He can't take us where he wants to take us. The greater things are awaiting us, but so is the enemy. He's waiting to pounce on us to figure out if he can keep us from attaining what God has for us. Little things, big things, and in-between things. Recognize distraction for what it is. It is to divert your attention, and it is to sabotage the plan of God that he has for you and for us. So it's a determination. I will not be distracted. I will not. No matter what the enemy brings my way, I will not be distracted from the plan of God. Amen. And you know what? In, the, in doing that, what's interesting to me is that so many times when God distracts one person, it's at the expense of somebody else. God had somebody else in mind for you to minister to, but because we get distracted, we never got around to being that person that was supposed to minister to another individual. It happens all the time. Just in our daily walk. You know, God's got, got us on a path for that day. There's a certain person we're going to run into, and we get distracted by other things, and the opportunity is lost. So remember that distraction is, has a lot of purposes, but the main one it has is to keep you from fulfilling what God has for you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.